Are you feeling frustrated with the job hunt? Are endless applications and a radio silence getting you down? You can now book me for $1 a minute for 30, 45, or 60 minutes. Don't need 45 minutes, don't pay for it. Want to do 30 minutes now and maybe 30 minutes later, once you progress, let's do it. We can conduct a mock interview. I'll help you format great responses that make a difference. We can improve your resume and cover letter to help get you noticed. I'm here to consult with you. If you're in a unique situation and want input from someone that has seen it all and can help you succeed like I have so many others, it's super simple. You just go to jobinterviewexperience.com and click the $1 a minute coaching button at the very top of the page. Select the amount of time you wanna meet and then you can look through my availability without having to pay. Check out my availability, pick a time, and pay $1 a minute for 100% of my attention. It's blocked into 30, 45, or 60 minutes, so we won't go over, you won't get charged any more than what you pay at checkout. Remember, the faster you invest in yourself, the faster you land that dream job. Go to jobinterviewexperience.com or follow the link in this episode's description. I'm excited to meet and help you take control of your career today. Welcome to the Job Interview Experience. My name is Matthew. I'm a past executive recruiter, search firm owner, director of talent acquisition, founder of CandidateClub.com, and your host of the Job Interview Experience. Joining us today is Kevin Gilland. Kevin is a licensed clinical psychologist and the executive director of Innovation 360, host of the podcast Struggle Well, Live Well, Worry Less. Kevin discusses how as humans we deal with anxiety worry, and our approach of how we as humans deal with what life throws at us. Author of Struggle Well, Live Well, 60 Ways to Navigate Life's Good, Bad, and In-Between, Kevin is here to help us understand our anxiety around job interviews, the stress of the job search, and how to navigate this life in a healthy, balanced way. Kevin, thank you for joining us on the Job Interview Experience. Man, so great to be with you, Matthew. And right out of the gate, thank you for doing all that you do on this podcast because it is such good medicine for people in these difficult times. It really, really is. You and I talked off air there. We've got to think broader about things that are good for our psychological health. And having somebody talk through and walk through different ways to think and approach jobs and careers. Oh my gosh. So thank you for all that you've been doing. And I'm so looking forward to being here with you. The introduction was brief, but we want to get to know you a little bit more. Please tell us about yourself. You know, outside of work, how do you like to spend your free time? My family, hands down. Family and either outdoors or close to water. Uh, I just got lucky. I've worked hard, but also got lucky and have been married to a woman that's just She's helped me more than anything in this world. And um, again, got fortunate that I ended up with three kids that are really great kids because of and in spite of me. <laughs> uh, and so, but they're all grown now. So just enjoying a different phase. So I do, I love to be, love to be with family, with some small handful of friends. And man, if I can get to the mountains, I'm running because it's just, Again, it's just good medicine. Can you give us 
kind of a career a career overview, maybe what your early days were like and what your motivations were early on and then what led you to where you are today? Yeah, it's um, I always say I'm an accidental psychologist. I went to college back in the day of you just went to college after high school. I, I didn't have any career goals other than enjoying college life. As shallow as that sounds, it's honest. Um, and I said psychology. Yeah, that sounds like a good major because I'm terrible at math. And so I didn't know I had to go to grad school until almost halfway through. Fortunately, I fell in love with the subject, and I love working with people. I'm fascinated by why we change and why we don't change, myself included. And so I just had some wonderful opportunities to study and work with some really amazing men and women that spent their lives and careers researching and doing work in this field from all across the U.S., from San Fran to Florida to Boston. I had a chance to work for some amazing companies like Blue Cross Blue Shield of Texas, Johnson & Johnson with uh, medical affairs and doing some research. Um, and then about 14 years ago, started a, at a place called Innovation 360. And, you know, managed care has really stripped the resources we have for our psychological needs. We're really good on the extremes, talking to somebody once a week or I got to go away for 30 days. But we have nothing in between. And that's what we, re we really focus on is, all right. And I've been, I just love that part of research and treatment, which is, God, how do we how do we start to move in a different direction? And what are the things that help us move? What are the things that interfere with it? And I just have, I just love doing what I get to do. So um, I'd love to tell you there's a master plan. I've just worked really hard, stayed in a space I love. And if you do that and are always curious, that's, that's probably the most valuable thing I got early in my career, being around really amazing researchers that are brilliant. They're not certain. They don't talk like we do that don't have a lot of knowledge. They're not certain about stuff. They're curious. And I've just tried to adopt that as a way of approaching work, just being curious to continue to learn and grow. And I thought being a learner meant school. It's not. It just so having that curiosity really opens doors that you'll be amazed at. So that's the short version. Kevin, on the podcast, I talk about managing nerves before the podcast, but my approach is how to manage your nerves by doing things like preparing well, uh, working through your answers, getting all of your ducks in a row. That, that's my expertise. I don't know what you do. So can you give us some insight on how to manage the anxiety and nerves of the job search and uh, upcoming interviews? Yeah. So... I love how you prep. That, that's the way I do, too. People ask me at times, are you nervous when you're doing TV interviews or radio or some big presentation that goes out to all these employees all over? I'm like, no. Not because I don't get nervous at things, but because of how I prepare. And when you spend a lot of time preparing, it does wonders for your nerves. Now, you want to land in that sweet spot. Don't do too much. Don't do too little. So, but let me circle back. One, your goal is not to have zero worry and stress. If you do, you're not going to do well. But your goal is also not to be nine out of 10. Again, you're not going to do well. And I wish I would have known back in college 
what I know now about worry and anxiety and the fight or flight response, because when if you've ever gone into an exam or an interview and thought, oh my gosh, I just, I totally went blank. I had prepared for it. I was ready. I read about the company. I, I was ready to talk about my, and, and I just, I just went blank. I can almost guarantee you what happened was your worry kept idling up. And if it keeps idling up and you don't notice it and manage it, it's going to go above a certain point, which kicks off our fight or flight response. It's a biological thing. The good news is you can turn it back off. But if you don't know what's happening, your hands will get clammy because worry and anxiety is always our body and our brain. If you think about it, if I have to fight, I, got an, I need this. But if I have to fight, I don't have fine motor skills. I couldn't thread a needle because all the blood has, in the blink of an eye, gone to my big muscle group so that I can fight or flee. Our brain also drains the front of our brain, our, our really critical executive thinking, which is why our mind actually went blank because we drained it of blood because we accidentally told our brain we got to flee or I have to fight. Well, if I have to do that, my vision, all the blood drains from the front because I don't need to do calculus if I'm fighting for my life or running, right? I, what I need to have is really incredible vision, hearing, um, balance and judgment of depth. I don't need to do long division. And so you literally turned your brain off. Well, what I tell people to do, whether it's in an interview or another situation, when you notice your hands getting clammy, that should be your first clue to, okay, the most powerful thing I can do, take a deep belly breath, and that triggers the opposite of fight and flight, which is rest and digest. And when you slow your body, your brain slows down, and then all of a sudden you're going to be like, oh, now I remember all that stuff I prepped for, and I've got my best thinking back online. So that's the thing is to be mindful of. You should be a little worried because it's important. And a little bit of worry from research improves performance. Too much worry, and we get anxious, nervous, and our minds shut down. Are there any small habits or physical activities like that breath that our listeners can keep in mind, You know, whether it be moments before the interview, while driving there, or maybe just thinking about their current situation or what needs to be done to secure a job? Any small things like that that, that they could start trying out for themselves? Yeah, there's, there's, and for this, I always take a page out of um, athletes, elite athletes, or CEOs, but elite, elite athletes especially. Be on guard for thoughts you don't need. And we make the mistake of thinking, well, what can it hurt? Well, it's not going to help you to think. If, if you're an elite athlete and you're going up to the plate to hit a pitch thrown at an alarmingly fast speed, and you're thinking, I'm going to miss. I'm going to miss. Oh my gosh, I'm going to miss. I don't, I don't, I don't. If you could project your favorite player onto the Jumbotron and, and, and you're able to see what he's thinking, he's like, oh God, I haven't hit anything all day. I'm just, I'm not, you'd be like, oh, oh my gosh, pull him. Don't let him go. There's no way he's going to hit that ball thinking like that. The same principle is key for us. Thoughts of, I got to have this job. If I don't get this job, I'm, I don't need that right now. So, I'm just going to gently push those back or let them run through, and I'm not going to look at them. I'm not going to unpack it, and I'm going to anchor myself to the things I've prepared for. And one of the things that elite athletes will often do before a big competition is just quickly look back at, what have I done to prepare? Okay, I've thought of this. I'll look that up. 
Um, I practiced some questions. I've written some answers. Yeah, I'm good. I've done my homework. Now that frees me up to be myself because that really is the most valuable piece. And if you start getting that last minute worries, I do I also uh, do some expert work for the courts and law firms. And whenever I'm with somebody that's having to go into court, which is a very anxiety producing environment, I mean, really is. I always tell them, look, breathe. It's the most powerful thing you can do. Look it up on YouTube, belly breathing, diaphragmatic breathing. It immediately slows that anxious response. And the second thing is hyper-focus on something. While you're sitting and waiting in you know, somebody's waiting room or in the lobby, just kind of look around and occupy your mind with something, whether it's, okay, I'm going to find three things that are blue. Or I'm going to see if I can find four circles. Let's see if I can find three circles, right? Those weird, distracting things that entertain your mind. Because if you entertain your mind, you're also letting it relax. And it's not spinning up anxiety. Does that make sense? So at that point, you can distract. Think back on what you did to prepare. No, nope, I'm good. Don't frantically read your notes. Because if you're frantically reading your notes, what are you doing? You're being really anxious and frantic. You're like, ooh, no, no. I'm trying to calm myself down. I've already looked at that. I don't need to look at it because I don't have to respond verbatim. I just need to remember this specific, you know, I need to remember this this general response. Does that make sense? That does. Thank you for that. And hopefully listeners are taking notes or uh, listening back through this part because having some of those tools, I, I use stuff like that every day to prepare or to relax or to, to do whatever I need to do, whether it be I'll do a five count in of breathing in and then a five count out. And, uh, yes. you know, whether I'm really winded or uh, feeling nervous for something, those, those ideas that you just shared, those ways to kind of take control back over what's happening physically that, you know, seems like it's out of our control. It makes a huge impact. Oh, it's, and, and that's the thing is there's some little things you can do that seriously, you're like, wow, that really works. So the, the right, the five second breathing in, breathing out, if you'll start to listen, you'll notice a lot of really successful individuals, success comes with a lot of challenges and they struggle just like we're talking about. And little things have big results. I've talked about, I just talked with a, a client I'm working with the other day here at Innovation 360. I said, I was working with this female and I talked to her about breathing, how it would help her. And she didn't do it, didn't do it. And then she goes, oh my gosh, I got Headspace or might've been eMindful. One of those programs was listening to it. And she goes, I'm like, finally, you did it. And she goes, no, no, no. I was listening to Ryan Reynolds on an interview for one of his movies, and he gets really worried at interviews. And he uses, I think, Headspace to breathe and quiet his mind. Ryan Reynolds, I mean, A-list actor. And you go, success doesn't mean we still don't have a head that can get noisy. And those little things free us up to be the best version of ourselves. And interviews, you should be a little nervous, but you shouldn't have anxiety. In the big picture, the last 18 months has been really tough for everybody and devastating for a lot of people. What should we be doing 
to recover and uh, really kind of get back to where we want to be, I would say either personally or professionally, but as far as what's going on in our head and how we're processing all of this. Yeah, we're, we're not doing a good job. Um, now, unfortunately, um, given when elections fell and the political season, we have, I, I, honestly, politicians have really added to the distress level. And I'm not a political person. I don't belong to any party. I'm fascinated observing both parties that do the same thing. But if you're a part of this one, you don't think they're doing it. And I'm like, wow, that's wildly fascinating. And so there's a lot of bad information out there that has led to a lot of fear and a lot of worry and anxiety unnecessarily. The reality is medicine is all about discovery. And when we have a new illness like COVID-19, and the ori original was the alpha variant, there, there are multiple variants of viruses. That's true of every virus. And so they're trying to learn and figure it out because they've never seen something like that. We did a pretty good job, but we made it worse with really bad information. And at the same time, I think it really kind of exposed, we have become information gluttons. We, we count calories and we count our steps. I mean, I know how many calories in a banana and I shouldn't. I also know how many steps I walk on average. Well, how much... How many calories of information do you consume on TV, on podcasts, on Instagram, on Facebook, on your, on your notifications? And I'm not opposed to any of those things. But what I am saying is, think about it before you watch or listen or read, and then tell me afterwards how you feel afterwards. And it is exhausting to chase down the medically accurate information, not the political information. I, literally, I did an entire podcast on how much time I spend answering one medical question about COVID for a, for a TV uh, reporter, and it's hours of time. And you go, oh, well, that's not at all what we thought. So first of all, start counting your information calories. And second, Ready or not, we have to own our own healthcare. Now, we've been moving that direction, but think broadly about your psychological and physical health because we have actually had more people die from other illnesses during the pandemic than the virus itself. These are, these are deaths above and beyond normal. And all that to say is that isolation and disconnection from community, relationships, and work are really bad for our physical health, our immune system, and our psychological health. And so what I have tried to talk to people about is, hey, look, it's the same thing other healthcare people tell you. The eat right and exercise is, those are the multivitamin for our physical and psychological health. So the first thing I would say is start moving get outside and just move and be active. There is less than 0% chance of getting COVID outside. It's like 0. 0.0006 or maybe 0. 0.006. And so you're not going to get it outside. Still make sure you socially distance and wash your hands, but notice the noise in your head and, and stop being so hyper-focused on one way of dying. And most likely you're not going to die from this. 
if you were that focused on dying from driving, we'd probably have less accidents. If you were less focused on, you know what I mean? You go, oh, there's a lot of other ways we can die and not being physically active and eating poorly. We're ha we've had more heart attacks in the past 18 months than we did the years before because of inactivity and disconnection and worry and worry and worry. And all that stress and worry dumps cortisol and other really toxic hormones into our body that shouldn't, that shouldn't be dumped into our bodies every day. So when you move and get out physically, you connect with people in a safe way based on your risk and the environment, you're actually helping yourself to interview better. You're not as worried. You're not as anxious. You're more capable and more able to talk about the things that would make you a good employee and to present yourself with the best foot forward. And we don't think of, hey, I'm just going to be physically active because that's going to help me present myself in the most thoughtful and professional way possible. And that I really want to do. And by the way, it improves my immune system as well. So those are some fundamentals that I keep talking about. Physical activity, healthy eating, sleep. Oh my gosh. Guard your sleep, especially a day or two leading up to an interview, because if you're sleep deprived, our brains just don't fire off as well. And then stay connected to people that are encouraging and step up, get the right amount of information and then step away from it and enjoy life. I exercise a couple times a week consistently. And for me, I, you know, I tell people it is 98% mental health for me, just what it does to how, how much better I feel. If, if I don't exercise for a couple of days, it feels like I've just eaten a bunch of junk food is how I start to feel. And the great thing is too, is it's, it's not just in the moment feeling good. My sleep is completely different from when I exercise every day or every other day when, and when, you know, I take off a couple of weeks for whatever reason, I start waking up more often at night. I start waking up just feeling awake, having trouble going to sleep. Uh, so like you said, it, you know, it, it's good for one thing. One thing is good to have a healthy body. Then you get the mental health aspect on top of that burning off some energy, but then it layers down to sleeping better. I, I start craving better food. I start craving, uh, you know, something healthy after, uh, a good workout instead of, you know, cotton candy, which I also crave almost every day. Uh, I crave that when I'm on the sofa. I, I crave, I crave some veggies and something healthy. Uh, after a good workout. So yeah, I can't emphasize that enough. Oh, and that is, I'm so glad you said that it, because I, that's how physical activity is for me and exercise. And since it's just me and you, Matthew, I'll be candid. I, I've always worked out. I started, I just always enjoyed sports, but when I got to grad school, I started working out for my mental health. And, and I found that that's one of the things in the right amounts that really helps. And the past eight years or so, I got into doing triathlons because I grew up around water. And so I ended up doing Ironman. And so I have a real long history of loving working out and having great discipline. I'm not kidding you, Matthew. For eight, 10 months of COVID, I bet I didn't work out five times. My eating was poor. My sleeping was disrupted. It was high stress. So I'm like, all right, I got to get back to working out. It took me probably three months to get back to where I had three or four days a week. It was so hard, and, and which is amazing because, I mean, I've been, I, I'm in my 50s. I have 
decades of enjoying it. I couldn't do it to save my life. And what I started doing was I knew how critical it was, what you just said, all the research about, look, physical activity is going to help my immune system and it's going to help my psychological health. And so I started, I started just walking. And, and I looked at it, I jokingly said, I, when you go to brush your teeth, you don't think about it. Every night I brush my teeth and I'm like, I don't stand there with a toothpaste in one hand, my brush in there and go, all right, is this really worth it? I mean, how bad is gum disease? I mean, does, I, feel like, I feel like my breath's okay. I don't, really, I don't do that. I don't think about it because I've already answered the question, is it beneficial? So I started doing that with walking. I'm like, I don't care how I feel because I, I didn't want to. I was low in energy, but I'm like, no, don't think, don't think. I hyper-focused, where are my shoes, where are my shorts, where's my T-shirt? And I didn't think about how I felt because that didn't really matter. This I know, and you know, and research is consistent, is good medicine. And one walk after the next started connecting, and it, it tugs on other stuff. I started eating healthier. My sleep improved. And that is the best news for everybody that listens to your podcast that's struggling with work. Okay, it's an incredibly difficult time. But be at your physical and psychological best. And I'm not opposed to talking to psychologists, but have you done your piece as well? Because those things are all connected in wonderful ways. And that is great news. I love what you said. Let's talk about returning back to the workplace and the anxiety surrounding that, whether it be uh, if someone lost their position over the last 18 months or if maybe they are in between jobs or, you know, the great news is for, for a listener, maybe they just got a job offer and they're preparing to go back to the physical workplace or remote work. How, how is that different now than it has been in the past? How, what should we expect going back to something that's kind of become so unfamiliar? Yeah, it's, um, it's so strange. I mean, I'm old, but I'm not that old. My kids sometimes are like, hey, what was it like in the Great Depression? I'm like, that's rude. I am not that old. I mean, I, I've never lived through anything like this. You would have to go back to World War II or even the Great Depression. But, but this is a global pandemic. And so your expectation should be, I got to adjust. I got to be flexible. I have never, as a boss, I have never been so flexible in my life, like flexible to the point where I'm like, holy, because when you think you've got everything lined up, like if you have children in school or you're helping with some elderly relatives, everything's going to go smooth. And then all of a sudden you go to drop your kids off at school one day and they're like, oh, hey, 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 no, the teacher is sick. We couldn't. Then we don't have, so you're going to have to keep the kids today. Well, so just, be thinking about conversations you need to have with your manager or boss that historically you may not have had to have. I have had people tell me about illnesses that I had no idea they had, but it's only relevant because that's why they're at a greater risk. I had no idea she had a heart condition or I had no idea you had asthma. I've never even seen, I didn't, I had no idea. So, okay, you need to take some precautions, but you can do it and do it thoughtfully. The most powerful things we can do, the shot, if medically, and if it's right for you, the shot is one of the options that 
helps tremendously. There are some side effects from the shot, just like there are some side effects of COVID for people to get it moderate or severe. Most don't have reactions to the shot, just like most don't have anything severe with COVID. So wash your hands and keep a social distance. Those are the most powerful things you can do. And if you've done all that and you know your risk, allow your head to be quiet and try to care less about what other people are doing. Because we actually don't care that much about their health. I'm not going to yell at them about a mask or washing their hands. I'm like, no, take care of you. Be nice, but be less concerned about other people. So that's the first thing. And second, I'd really encourage people to remember your employer or your boss or manager has been through hell. They just have. For a lot of them, they've done things they never thought they would do to keep things moving forward. And they had to retool or they had to adjust things. And now they're having to look at how do we accommodate for people that have medical? I had no idea you had that or that you're a cancer survivor. So all of these personal things that actually have a little bit of relevance, we're trying to navigate all that. How many times do you know you know, you used to help people with executive recruiting. Did you ever ask, hey, do you have an elderly parent living in the home that's susceptible to airborne viruses? You're like, you, you would never ask, never. And so you go, wow, but that is relevant to a conversation. Go let your boss know, but also be mindful. They've been in this as well. That's what's been the, this has been the hardest 18 months of my professional life. Because like your boss and manager, they're in this as well. I'm usually not in the situation that people come to me for, whether it's a divorce or a depression. or It's not me. And so I'm kind of, I'm on dry land. I can help them. We're all in the ocean. And, and they're struggling just like you are. So if we can decrease some of our anxious and our worry and settle, we can better respond and see when our boss or manager is also going through a difficult time and companies are having to make adjustments to keep the doors open. Um, and so, you know, one of the things I would also say is I'd hold loosely to, I'm not happy about, I'm not happy working here or this job isn't fulfilling or look, there are a lot of times we take jobs or keep jobs for reasons other than our own happiness. I worked with a lady one time. She's just a wonderful lady. And she kind of in passing said, oh, yeah, you know, I took this job about a year and a half ago. And it's just, it's not, she was in probably her late 50s. She was like, it's just not rewarding. But you know what? It's a paycheck and it's got regular hours, which I really need. And I was like, but she talked about it in a way that like she was really good with it. Really good with, yeah, it's not, it's not a. It's, I'm really good. It's not really rewarding. I mean, I do good at my job, but you know, I don't care for, and I was like, okay, now I'm curious. And I'm like, wow, that's really fascinating. Have you always, and she was like, no, I actually moved back to the Dallas area because my father got really ill and my mom had already passed away and I just needed to help him. And so I was like, you know, I'll take a job that I have set hours. I've got some flexibility with things so that I can care for my father because that's more important than feeling fulfilled and purposeful and meaningful at work. And so for a lot of people right now, having a job you don't like is better than unemployment. Unemployment 
is a significant financial and psychological risk. And we have to be really mindful that the job market is really different. I, I, I would be really cautious about leaving a job you don't like right now, especially if you don't have somebody that's made you an offer and you've accepted and you're going somewhere else. What you may need to do is really shift and step back and go, why am I keeping this job right now? Because it allows me to be safer with my health care. It allows me to help do this with this family member. Or not only am I an accountant, I'm also teaching fifth grade English to my child. You know, so you're like, there are a lot of reasons. And again, just like the interview, come back to why you're at a job you don't particularly love right now. And I go, yeah, no, I'm doing it for them. That's why I'm doing it. The title of your book, Struggle Well, Live Well, is, is interesting to me because I think it applies so much to the job search and, and pursuing uh, maybe a dream job or a job you're really interested in because there is always a struggle. There's a struggle to have the confidence to apply for a job that you think might be a little bit beyond you. And there's the struggle to get through the interviews, the big ups yes. of them saying, yes, we'll interview the big downs of not hearing from them for maybe a week or two. And then, of course, getting that offer, which is yeah. what this podcast exists to do, help our listeners get offers. And then, of course, the next part, live well. Yeah. You get the dream job. Uh, hopefully, it, it pays more than your mm -hmm. last job. It helps improve your life, your lifestyle, your financial well-being. But also, you're in that job at least for, you know 20 hours a week, maybe if it's part-time or 40 if it's full-time. So you're not only living better because of the financial stability, you're also living better because you're in an environment that you enjoy more. You're around people who are on the same page as you. Not to draw too much from the uh, title of your book, I just had to say that because it, it was on my mind. But uh, besides a great title, what else can our listeners gather and learn from your book, uh, you know, listeners that are they're currently in the fight right now. They're they're trying to find that job. They're trying to improve their interview. They're trying to push and invest their time into something that's going to impact their life. Yeah, I, no, I so appreciate that, and I, I I agree with you. It's why I wrote that, whatever it was, four or five years ago now, and it really is just some the short version of things that I talk about with clients a lot. We have a lot of really just phenomenal therapists at Innovation 360. And hearing the things we talk about in the administrative area, and you go, look, these are all things that are very normal. Successful people have to deal with these same things. We tend to think when we're in the midst of the struggle that we're somehow different. We are not. We're not at all. Um, who was the guy that played Captain America in the Marvel series? Um, oh. Chris something. Yes. Oh, shoot. I can't. You don't think of. Well, true story. He turned down that role. And Marvel and his agent were like, what? He, they, they asked him to come in and interview. And he was starting to worry a lot and get anxious and stressed on a, on a movie he was filming. He had done something with Marvel. And his agent called and said, hey, they want to interview for this new big series with Iron Man and, you know, the Avengers and all. And he was like, yeah, no, I don't want to do it. And his agent was like, I cannot believe this is a true story. His agent calls Marvel back and was like, hey, look, I'm sorry. He doesn't want to interview. I think it was a different phone call a day or two later. Marvel calls his agent back and goes, you know what? 
He's worked with us on other stuff. We don't care. He doesn't need to interview. The job says. So his agent calls him. This is true. His agent calls him and he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not. I still, I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not going to take it. And his agent was like, listen, you need to go talk to somebody because you have issues. That's ridiculous. I'm not telling them no. You need to go see a therapist. And he did. And what he realized was his anxiety and worry was talking him out of some of the best chapters of his life. And so we're, we're going to have seasons when we struggle. Even if you're an unbelievably successful person, that's normal. There's nothing wrong with you or broken with you. What you need to step back and go, okay, what's the source of it? And when it comes to work, stress and worry, it can get to be so much that it interferes with our sleep. Uh, it interferes when we're finally doing something or with some people we really love. We're still worried about these other things. We have a hard time just settling and sitting still. We wake up worried. You go, okay, I got to do some work because I got to struggle better than this in these difficult times because I want to live well in those chapters as well. And when you're looking for a job or you're in one that's not enjoyable or has changed significantly in COVID, it, it helps to step back and look at why am I doing what I'm doing? And if it's for my health or my family, you may find that that job is a little bit easier because you remind yourself why you're doing it. And if we can eliminate the noise that we don't need, and that's what worry is, worry is always the next day, the day after, the week after, if we can decrease some of that noise with just a handful of things and step into things that are good medicine for us, like listening to a podcast like this to go, okay, I got to get out of my head. Because when the only voice I hear in those chapters where I'm just struggling, when that's the only voice I hear, I do not make good decisions. YouTube is full of videos of that, and it's typically dudes. But you want to hear other voices that help you go, hey, you know what? No, I got to come back to the things I've done, the successes I've had, what things, have, what things people have told me they enjoy about me at work and other places that I've been, whether it's volunteering or work. I need to anchor to those things because in the in-between time of interviewing and waiting, our minds can get stressed and worried and they start spinning and making up stories. Oh my gosh, did I answer that question wrong? Oh, did that? There's a million reasons why they're working slow and it may have nothing to do with you. So don't make up stories. Do the things that I know you've talked about on other podcasts of follow up in the right amount of time. Don't follow up too much and just read some of the signs they're giving you. And Hold on loosely to the really painful stuff and hold on really loosely to the amazing stuff. And that, I think, better prepares us for those little rises and falls that every career is going to go through, everyone. Kevin, I was so excited to have you on the job interview experience. I've said this before, but taking care of our mental health is more important than anything else. And the job search, uh, being unemployed, anything like that, it's one of the most taxing things we can go through. So thank you for sharing with our listeners, for giving us your time. Unfortunately, we're running out of time. So I want to give you a chance just to kind of 
share your final thoughts with our listeners and viewers. Here's the thing. Don't listen to what worry and stress says to you. Rely on the things that you know to be true about you. There's a wonderful story of an Ironman champion, one in Kona. But two weeks before the race, he was having a terrible training day. He was on his bike. His coach is in the van behind him. He's like, I'm just, I don't have it. He gets it. He goes, I can't race this year. I can't. Well, long story short, he won. He won that year. And in his tears, he says, never judge your life based on the worst day. Judge your life best on the, based on the best day. And when we're in these seasons of interviewing, it, it's hard to keep it from occupying all of our mind and, and develop some little habits, which you totally can of, no, I've thought about that for today. I'm going to mentally box that up and put it on the shelf because now I'm going to enjoy dinner. I'm going to go for a ride. I'm going to, I don't need to unpack that and think about it. I'm going to, I'm going to get it off the shelf in the morning. You'd be amazed at what little things like that to go. Nope, not now. And just let it run past those little things help you psychologically navigate stressful, difficult seasons in life. And I promise you, You've got some things in your past of work, volunteering, and things people have said to you that absolutely are going to be part of the next job you get. It's a weird world. It may take longer than normal. It may take oddly shorter than normal. Just don't make up stories and start each day, stay anchored in the day. I'm going to do today what I need to do to be successful, and I'm going to be really mindful of the positive good things. And I'm going to write those things down every day. And I think you'll be surprised at how quickly you step into a very different chapter. But hang in there. We're going to link to Kevin's book and his podcast. I'd recommend that you take a break from the job interview experience, invest a little bit of your time into uh, digging into what Kevin shares. Kevin, thank you again for joining us. Oh, Matthew, so great to be here. And, and again, my, sincerely, my sincere appreciation as a psychologist for what you're doing and how much it helps people's psychological health. So thank you for all the work you're doing. Are you feeling frustrated with the job hunt? Are endless applications and a radio silence getting you down? You can now book me for $1 a minute for 30, 45, or 60 minutes. Don't need 45 minutes. Don't pay for it. Want to do 30 minutes now and maybe 30 minutes later? Once you progress, let's do it. We can conduct a mock interview. I'll help you format great responses that make a difference. We can improve your resume and cover letter to help get you noticed. I'm here to consult with you if you're in a unique situation and want input from someone that has seen it all and can help you succeed like I have so many others. It's super simple. You just go to jobinterviewexperience.com and click the $1 a minute coaching button at the very top of the page. Select the amount of time you want to meet, and then you can look through my availability without having to pay. Check out my availability, pick a time, and pay $1 a minute for 100% of my attention. It's blocked into 30, 45, or 60 minutes, so we won't go over, you won't get charged any more than what you pay at checkout. Remember, the faster you invest in yourself, 
the faster you land that dream job. Go to jobinterviewexperience.com or follow the link in this episode's description. I'm excited to meet and help you take control of your career today.